All right. So Destined for Deliverance is our series and what we've been talking about. Let's put up our objectives. And we're we're in the midst of objective number three. Um, objective number three, we've talked about having a desire. We've talked about having a demand, a diligence, a discipline to have your um, deliverance. And we've even gone to the issue about having a discipleship that you need to follow Jesus the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. But then you also have to follow the person and principles of other leaders in your life who have a deliverance in your in their life that you don't necessarily possess in yours. And um, that's just the order of God. And, and listen, that's not just so that you can always be following folk around. People are supposed to be following you around because you're supposed to now get some deliverance that they don't have. And then they should be looking at your life saying, man, if I keep doing what he's doing, then I'll get some of the deliverance he got to come on me. So it's not a one way street. Right. We disciple others. We, we ourselves are discipled so that we can turn around and be a, a discipler of other people as well. All right. So please don't don't think that this is a one way street and that everybody you know, that everybody's just supposed to disciple all of those that's called to ministry. God told you to go and make disciples. And so the discipleship aspect of it. But now we want to get down to the dominion aspect. The dominion aspect is where you're not just struggling the rest of your life with an issue, but that you actually conquer that thing. And that every time Satan comes back with you to try to see if you really got it, every time you send him packing. Yep, mm -hmm. I'm still I'm still free. Right. So the intention is, is not that you spend your life struggling up and down in the same old area every the same old time. Issue the 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 desire and the plan of God is to get you to that point where you have so much freedom that you have completely mastered that thing and he can't even bring it back to you if he wanted to. Some people don't even know that a place like that even exists. I'm here to tell you that it does, All right? And what I'm gonna show you today is, is that the dominion God intends for you to walk in is the same dominion that Jesus took over all of those things. It's not a different level of dominion. Now, Jesus became sin with my sin. You didn't know that, right? He that knew no sin, the Apostle Paul told us, became sin. Not with his sin. He became sin with my sin. Right? That's, that's the gospel message. That's gospel 101. All right? He became sin with my sin so that I could become righteous with his righteousness. We traded. That's an unfair trade. Shh, don't tell him. Don't tell him. Don't tell him I got the good deal. He got the raw deal. That was his design. He became sin with my sin. I became righteous with his righteousness. Now, um, after he became sin with my sin, do you think he struggled with the stuff that I was struggling with? He, he got victory over it all. So 
the same level of dominion he walks in over this stuff is what you're supposed to walk in. And so, you, first of all, you got, to get, you got to know that there's a place called there if you're going to ever get to it. Some people don't know. Right? So they spend more of their time thinking about falling down and getting up than staying up. They sing about falling down. Yeah. I didn't say you didn't fall down. I just say, but why do we spend time on, okay, now people say, but pastor says that a just man falls seven times and rises again. He does say that. Okay, but why don't we write a song about, now unto him that is able to keep me from falling. I heard no songs talking about he keeps me from falling. Everybody want to fall down. Why don't we sing some songs about he keeps me, it's the same Bible. If the truth be told, that's the New Testament. He that's able to keep me from falling and to present me before his presence faultless. Now, see, see, nobody sings song about that. I'm just saying. Okay. So you got to know that there is a place called there if you're going to ever, if you're going to ever rise to it. You rise to the level of what you see what God has provided that you see, believe, desire to receive, right? So that's why we talked about having a desire and a demand. I know it's there because the word says it's there. Now, whether or not I ever walk in it doesn't mean it's not there. You understand? If I spend the, less, the rest of my life broke, busted, and disgusted, doesn't mean that Jesus hadn't provided for me. There's nothing wrong with his giving. There might be something wrong with my receiving, but I don't put that stuff on him. I say that must be something with me. Does that make sense? All right. And so um, I, last week, just, just, just a short review because I want to set it up where we ended last week. I told you about the time that uh, I was, Lady Nedra and I, we were on a plane going back from the Canary Islands, Tenerife, um, to, to Madrid. Was it Madrid or Barcelona? One of the two. Um, I think it was Madrid. And, um, but it was to the mainland, main, mainland of Spain. And um, we had traveled. That's a long, that's a, you know, a couple, three, three and a half hour flight. A small plane, I'm in the middle, my knees are knocking. My knees are knocking. And uh, wake up in the middle of the, of the night because it, it was a red-eye flight. Yeah, we, we used every minute we could. I'm just saying, right? We, we stayed there as long as we could, and then we got on the lat. and said we can sleep on the way home in Jesus' name. So anyway, just, just, hey, but it was a full flight, and it was packed to the gills. And my knees started knocking. And all of a sudden, I woke up in the middle. Because I just said, I'm going to sleep my way through it. And I woke up um, in the middle of the night having a, a full-blown panic attack. Right? My, my heart stumpity-thump-thump-thumping, thumpity-thump. Thump, 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 thump. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the right place. So I'm in the, I'm in the, right? And then I'm, I'm having a a fight or flight sensation, but I'm already on a plane, so I'm flying, so I can't fly away from it because I'm already in flight. 
And I feel like getting up, running up and down the aisles, but I just felt like they would just, somebody would tackle me. And then I would be in a Spanish jail someplace when I get on the ground. And, um, and so I had to talk to the Lord, say, Lord, you got to help me like right now. You, anybody know what I'm talking about when you have one of them things, Lord, you got to listen, Jesus, <laughs> you got to help a brother right now. And um, so I'm turning in. And I'm turning to the Holy Spirit because I got, I, Lord, you got to help me. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to finish this flight out. I'm going to do something crazy if you don't fix me right now. So now I'm not reaching into my conscious mind to get all of the scriptures I know. I'm letting the Holy Spirit reach inside of me and bring to my remembrance the thing that I need in this moment. And so the Lord reminded me of this list here that I have. Why don't you show my list? You're not going to go through the scriptures. You have to look at or listen to our podcast last week. You want to go through the detail. I'm just, this is just review part. Four pictures necessary to live in newness of life, right? And this is what the Lord reminded me of. And the Holy Spirit is having me picture it, not just say the words, but see the images. Now, what I'm doing is what the Bible calls meditation. Meditation is not the same thing as study. Most Christians study, they do not know how to meditate. All right? Meditation is saying the word and seeing the picture that the word paints. You say, by his stripes, I'm healed. You're not supposed to see 1 Peter 2.25. You're supposed to see that issue in your body gone. Got it? You say those words, but the picture is supposed to be you having it. So... The Lord reminded me that I'm crucified with Christ. So the first thing is like I'm, I'm imagining myself stuck up on a cross wanting to run but can't because I'm stuck. Then I'm seeing myself buried with him. Now, if your body's buried, the heart can't race no more. The racing of the heart is over. Got it? Right? When you're buried... All of the sensation, let's just say you had a, a drug habit. The jonesing is over when the body gets buried. You understand what I mean when I say jonesing? <laughs> so I said no. When an addict, when an addict goes through withdrawal, they call that jonesing in the hood. <laughs> I had to explain it. I'm in a multicultural setting, I got to explain it. Got to explain it. Um, with, with, with my body, when I'm dead, all of that thing that was attaching me is gone because I'm buried, right? When I'm married to Christ, that voice in my head that says, I've been your abusive husband since you were born, and I'm going to abuse you till I kill you. 
that dude has died, and I got a new husband who just says, I got you. I got you. I cover you. I wash you with water. I'm presenting you to myself. No matter what you've been through, I'm washing all of that stuff. All of those memories that cause that stuff to rise up, I'm washing all of that away. But the one that really did it was this last one. I am carried with him to the right hand of the Father. So I'm picturing myself. And listen, I'm having a real spiritual experience because panic, fear is a spiritual experience. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Spirit, fear is a spiritual experience. It's a spiritual experience that evokes a physical reaction. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, so I'm on the plane, but on the inside, I'm seeing myself, and I'm feeling, I can feel, just like y'all feel the plane, I feel my spirit leaving and rising up when I'm looking down on the flight. And I'm rising, 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 till I come up in heaven and I'm sitting next to Jesus because I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Now, from that position, I look at me in that seated position. And I'm saying, this thing can't control me. It can't dominate me. And I'm, I'm looking down at myself saying, body, you need to chill. Now, from that position, I can take authority of what's happening to me in the seated position. Because what's happened to me in seat B in row 23 doesn't, doesn't negate what's happening to me being seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Now, it took some moments, but all of a sudden, I can calm down. Because I'm not just there going through the moment. Now, I have a seat of authority that overcomes and is bigger than all of the problems that I face. <sighs> Pastor's trying to teach you how to meditate. I know that makes your head go tilt, but I'm telling you, I left, I left that plane. I, if, I was, if I didn't leave that plane, I was going to leave that seat. So I had to do something. You understand what I'm saying? Because see, fear make you do, fear has torment. Fear drives you. Fear will drive you to do stuff. Fear will make you do, and then you sit back after the issue is over and say, why in the world did I do that? Out of all the dumb things I could have done, why did I do that one? Fear has torment. It doesn't try to be, fear is not rational. It will not subject itself to your rational mind. Now, when you come back to yourself, then you'll be calm thinking back, why in the world did I do that? But when I'm in the fear moment, when I'm in the fear moment, whatever, whatever comes in my heart, I will just do. My brain shuts down when I'm really in that fear moment the right way. All right? So I had to take a spiritual flight above the natural flight so that I could come back and deal with what was happening to me in the natural. Does that make sense? All right. Now... 
See, because all of those things is what Jesus did. Christ was on the cross, right? Became sin, became sickness, became poverty. All of those happen at the same time. That's why I don't fight people. Some people believe, well, I know he saved me, but I don't know if he healed me. I know he saved me and healed me, but I don't know if he supplied. He, he did all of them at the same time. He didn't. It was all the same experience. He became sin with my sin. He became sick with my sicknesses. He became poor with my poverty. The word tells me all of them happen at the same time. All right? So I'm seeing just like the thieves. I'm there with him. Then I'm seeing my body buried because the body that's buried, that's why it says, consider your old man dead to sin. That's why we, that's why we, we dunk you when we baptize you. We don't sprinkle you. I know, I don't like water covering my face. We dunk you when we baptize you. We don't sprinkle you. Because your old man is buried. Don't worry, we're going to get you up just like they got Jesus up. All right? You know, I know you're going through your phobias. I just don't like water covering my face. I know, I know. Still got to do it. He still ordered it. All right? See myself buried. I see myself married to him because Jesus rose up from the grave with love for you and me and with the intention of washing and cleansing us with his word so that he could present us to himself. No matter how you came ready, you weren't even dressed ready to get married. Don't worry, he got you. Right? And then he was raised to the right hand of the Father. Look at Ephesians 2, 5, and 6. That's the scripture we've been talking about. Ephesians 2, 5, and 6. Hallelujah. Yes. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the truth that I'm walking in, that he made me sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right? That's, that's a spiritual reality. This scripture talks about it past tense. He made us sit together. But it's not just like it's not just like it's a, a couch. It's not, it's a seat on a plane. It's not even a seat in an auditorium. That word there for being seated with Christ is a seat of authority. God has given you a seat of authority in Christ. See, all seats are created equal. Okay, then go into the courtroom and sit in the judge's seat and see what they do to you. Somebody's coming for you, and they're coming very quickly. And they're going to forcibly remove you. Am I right? So nobody ever thinks, I'm going to just, no, 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 you don't sit in that seat. 
Why? You can sit in any other seat, but you can't sit in that one. Why? Because it's a seat of authority. It's a seat from which an individual who represents the law meets out judgment. Okay? That's, what, that's the connotation here, that Jesus was seated at the right hand of Father, and now you're seated with him in the heavenly places. Somebody say amen if you got that. All right? Um, when God raised Jesus from the dead, the scripture in Hebrews 1 and 8 says that he gave him a scepter of righteousness. A scepter is, um, it's a stick, but it's, it's like, well, it's just like a judge has a gavel. Well, it's, it's just a piece of wood. No, 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 no. When they hit that thing and say something, whatever they say is going to change somebody's life. <laughs> this, whatever they say going to change somebody's life. Huh? Am I right about it? So Jesus has a scepter of righteousness. Remember, Esther said, if I go into the king's presence and he doesn't point the scepter at me, they will kill me. Isn't that what she said? And so he pointed the scepter at her, and then she reached and touched the scepter, watch this, and sat down. Because she was the queen. She came in, but once she touched it, she was there and could stay in his presence. You got it? Yeah. So you can, you can, um, that's what you need to understand about, about the fact that Jesus, when you were, when you made Jesus the Lord of, his, of your life, he pointed his scepter of righteousness at you just like the king pointed it towards Esther. And you get to sit down just like Esther could sit down in King Ahasuerus' presence. You got it? Okay. So, so um, Esther was received as a co-ruler. Now, before that, she was dealing with an issue where the law was against her in the kingdom. And then she stood up and said, no, all Hebrew lives matter. All right, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what she said. She said, but, but she had to be delivered from that issue. But once she rose up to the seat of authority and stood up, then the whole situation changed. Because the law was overturned by a higher law. That's what happens when you intercede and begin to co-rule and bind issues and bind the enemy and stand against things from your seat of authority. You got to understand that you don't have to just, I just hope the devil leave me alone. Stop that. He like, they don't know, they don't understand what kind of authority they got. If they don't respect it, I'm not going to respect it either. But when you understand that you really got the authority and you can start binding the enemy on your family's life, not in your name, in the name of Jesus, but you have the authority to use that name. All right. 
Think about it this way. A prize fighter struggles, trains, prepares, and fights for the championship. And when he wins, he's a conqueror. Let's say he, he earned $25 million. And then he, he wins the prize for winning. And then he brings that check home and gives it to his wife. She's more than a conqueror. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus did all of the fighting, and he conquered. All you did was marry him, and you get all of the benefit. You're more than a conqueror. Somebody say amen. Look at Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Is this blessing you? To understand our dominion, the dominion aspect of our deliverance, we got to understand what Jesus conquered that we now have available to us. Got it? You got to understand that you are married to the conqueror of the whole universe. And in his seat, he has a seat with your name on it that is a seat of authority. All right? So when you're dealing with issues, you're going to have to step out of them just like I had to step out. See, that's bigger than the boss coming for you. That's bigger than them setting you up to fire you on your job. Because if this, that, then this is that, and then he's here and you there. But hold it. When I stepped up to Christ, now I'm looking down on this stuff. Now I'm not even dealing with him. I'm dealing with the spirit behind him. And whether or not he understands, the spirit behind him knows it. Once I know, and he know I know, when I start talking to him, he know I'm talking to him. Look at Ephesians 1. We're going to read 15 through 23. It says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That's that sweet, sweet spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. See, that's what happened to me right there in the middle of that plane flight. That you may know there's things that he wants your eyes to see. Number one, the hope of your calling, what he's called you to that you're not yet even walking in, but it's still your calling. What, of the, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That's the spiritual wealth that's on the inside of you what God inherits of the treasure that he put inside of you, all right? You're bigger. See, now I'm getting to my wealth academy. You're bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Wealth is already in you. It's not something you're trying to bring to you. It's something that's in you that you're manifesting on the outside of you. And the third one says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward who? Toward who? 
Toward who? Oh, this power isn't just a power in heaven. It's a power toward us. This power is toward us who do what? Okay, so the power won't manifest without my believing that it's there. It's toward me, but I don't benefit on it. I don't get the benefit of it until I believe. This power that's toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Oh, the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead is towards me when I believe it. That's what I just said, isn't it? When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, not above, far above. Some people think like the devil is like Jesus equal. Stop that. Far above all principality and power, might, and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be all over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So where the head is is where the body is. The head can't have authority and the body don't. Okay, you get that? Now, I'm trying to get you to grasp the spiritual reality of what happened here and the kind of power that's available to you. In that moment, I needed God to make that power real to me, more real than what I was going through. And once he did, I could calm myself down. Once I grasped the reality of the power that was working and surging through me in this situation, and I could see myself coming up above and beyond that, then I could go through whatever I had to go through. This is how Jesus did it. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising, thinking small of what he was going through, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens. See, if I get to the point where I see and grasp the reality of who I am and how much power that has been made available to me, then whatever situation I'm facing is only temporary. I just got to stay with the process until the kingdom overcomes that. Because the kingdom I serve and the kingdom that I'm a part of rules and reigns over it all. Does that make sense? It don't really matter what I'm going through. Why? Because there is no more power that can be made available than the power that's already been made available to you. Power, power, Lord, we need power, power, Lord. What other power he got to give you? This is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. This was the most explosive event that has ever been in the universe. And that same resurrection power, the Apostle Paul said, that I may know him in the power of that resurrection. So you got to understand whatever you're dealing with, there is power on the inside of you. There's resurrection life on the inside of you to deal with that. You don't have to struggle with your issues forever. See, you get that. Now, he, he can play with you for a minute, but after a while, you'll be like, no, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, not that one. Okay. All right. 
Verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is by the fullness of him who fills all in all. Four types of resurrection power that's, that's in this scripture. I have a list here, four, four types of resurrection power. And all of this came out of verse 19. These are four words that describe the power that God used. So this was, this is the most, like people talk about this big, you know, megaton bomb. You know, they say there's the mother of all bombs, Moab, this big bomb, like, you know, that changes things. And then they, they explode nuclear power under underwater, and then it changes, it shifts islands around in the Pacific. What I'm telling you is that this spiritual explosion of power that happened at Jesus' resurrection was the most explosive event that has ever happened throughout all eternity and throughout all history. These are the words. First of all, it said it was inherent power, dunamis. That is natural ability that is inherent in God. God is not gifted giver. He has, he has gifts that he hands out, but he is the giver. He don't give you more than he got himself. And whatever he gives you doesn't deplete himself. So all of his natural ability came out when Jesus, when he raised Jesus from the dead. Then there is operative energy, energia, power and exercise. God sometimes set things in motion and just let them work, right? He did creation, then creation keeps going. But then sometimes God steps in himself and says, I'm going to operate on this one myself. Then there's manifested power. Kratos is demonstrated power. Kratos means that God didn't just have the gun. He pulled the trigger. And there's no trigger bigger than his. Iscus is muscular power, power in endowment. This is power that's afforded to him because of his position as emperor and creator of the universe and over everything natural and supernatural. God flexed the power of his position, and he has the highest position in the whole universe. All of that power went into play when Jesus was raised from the dead. But hold it. We just heard that if I get a revelation of it and believe it, that power will manifest in me. It's the same power that's to me if I believe it. It wasn't a different kind of power. It's the same one. So when you think about that, then the size of the issue shrinks in comparison to the size of the power that is available to you to get through whatever you're facing. It's interesting that Luke eleven twenty says that when Jesus cast out devils, it was the finger of God that did it. Psalm 102, 25 says that creation is the work of his hands. But Isaiah 53, 1 says that when the Lord was raised, his whole arm 
with his muscular power was revealed. God flexed. And nobody can flex like God can flex. You got it? That kind of power is not just in heaven. That kind of power is in you. How dare the devil think he can hold you into something? How dare he? But see, I was still scared until I got a revelation in the moment. Jesus sits in a seat of authority, and he has a name above every name. I was doing a study on this, and I meditated, and I was like, Lord, how can I make sure people understand this? The Lord said, uh, um, do a study on the titles of Queen Elizabeth. All right, all right. So, Lord, I did that. And it says her official title is Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern England and of her other realms and territories, queen, head of the commonwealth, defender of the faith. And then it said her majesty is, her title is her majesty. She also has 15 other realms, each having a variation on this title to talk about that she is the queen of that realm. In Canada, for instance, her title is Elizabeth II, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom of Canada and her other realms. They also have it the same way in Grenada. New Zealand follows the same thing. Jamaica, right? And so they have all of these different titles for her that describes the various lands that she took victory over. All right. In addition to the formal name, she also has some informal titles. In the Channel Islands, she's known as the Duke of Normandy. Right? So there's the Queen of Gibraltar. There's all these other territories. In Fiji, even though she's not officially the monarch, she's known as Tuti Viti, which is Paramount Chief. The great council of chiefs in that country still recognizes her. Now, there was a day of endless titles for the British sovereign when the sun never set on the British Empire. In, the rea the rea in reality, in the age where colonies have developed independence, the crown ain't what it used to be. Further, the queen got her title not by conquest, but by inheritance. She didn't go out there leading the fight. She was just born into it. Jesus, on the other hand, he fought the fight. He paid the cost to be the boss. Look at Ephesians 4 and 8. And it says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He took everything that was held holding him and he held it. In other words, he, Jesus became sin with my sin, which made him subject to the devil. And then it was like he was a spy in enemy territory. And he let, him, he let them take him and abuse him. And then when he got in prison, he broke out and took all of their keys with him. 
That's what happened, y'all. That's the gospel. Now, people don't think about it like that, but that's just what that said. Look at Colossians 2.15. I'm going to read it in the Message Bible because the Message Bible, see, you, you say make it. Y'all don't even understand the words of the Message Bible. So I'm going to let the Message Bible, excuse me, you don't understand, you don't necessarily get the significance from the King James Version. So I want the Message Bible to tell you. Just skip down to verse 15. Hallelujah. All right? Verse 15 says, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe. Go on to the next page. All the, all, the, all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. See, in, in, in medieval times, when one king went against another king, he would take that king's crown off his head and put it on his own. When he won, when his army won, he would take that king's crown, put it on his head, and then they would strip that king who had been in robes and all of that and make him grovel naked behind the king that won. With all of his, that king would be pulling all of the treasure of that kingdom and he would be naked, pulling all of the treasure behind the king. And the king says, I got all power. I got all power. And that guy would be groveling, pulling all of the stuff. That's what Jesus, Jesus went old school on the devil. <laughs> Jesus went old school. He, 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 he whipped the old school fit on him and dragged him naked, stripped him of all of his authority and power. Right? But hold it. That's true in heaven. But as, as soon as you figure it out, it's also true in your life. He gave you the keys. You get that? That's true for you too. Jesus is not above. He's far above. Five classes Jesus has overcome and sits above. All right. We'll just, this is my closing list, and then we'll pick up here next week. Number one, principalities, human, angelic, satanic, and demonic. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Jesus is over them all. Powers, delegated authority, those holding office and wielding authority entrusted to them by the superiors. That could be spiritual and it can be natural. Might, military power. Forget the nuclear keys. Jesus got the apocalyptic keys. Oh, man, he got it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His football bigger than Donald Trump's, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He got the nuclear football. No, what Jesus is carrying, he packing more. Number four is dominion. Any world system, political, financial, or system of any type. And if that is not enough, he said, every name that is named, not only now, but in the world to come. He said, I'm bigger, I'm more. I'm more powerful. I rank higher than any and everything that will ever come. So if you can put a name on it, then the name of Jesus is above it. We just have, I have an alcoholic issue. Opioid epidemic has caught me in it. If I can name it, I can put a name above it. Whatever I can name, 
we call it, uh, uh, I'm a minority. Uh, uh, no, I got a name. I can put his name above it. Racism, sexism, whatever name you can name, I can put his name above it. Does that make sense? You got to know that that kind of power is racing through you right now. Come on, let's stand.